Hello, everyone. Welcome back. At long last, it's December. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish have finished off yet another undefeated month of November. Another win last week. Senior day coming up this week. But you know what I really love about December? It's not necessarily football. You know, it's that cold, crisp air, putting on extra layers, hanging out with your family, and no one's going to question you if you wear a hat to cover up that bald spot. It's cold outside, right? Uh, with that being said, we have a great show today. You know, As usual, reactions to the college football playoff rankings, talking through some scenarios, recapping UNC and the dominant performance by the defense. And then previewing Syracuse, who the St. Xavier Bombers might give a game to. Just kidding. Maybe not. Um, we also talk some Notre Dame basketball at the end and give our picks. Another great show. Thank you guys for sticking around. This is now episode 14. Let's get started. Welcome back. It is now December. We've come a long way since August, uh, especially considering a lot of people didn't think that this college football season would be played. We're now in the second rank week of the college football playoff rankings. The Irish are second. Nothing changed in the top four, but there was some move in the back end with Northwestern moving Iowa State, jumping to the top 10. What do you guys think about week two of the college playoff rankings? I think for... Uh... For me, I think like the biggest thing that I was a little surprised by was that, and I think it was good for Notre Dame, is that North Carolina takes a loss and moves up two spots. Um, I think they're probably helped by an Oregon loss and some other traffic in front of them um, moving around as well. But I think that was that was encouraging to see UNC bump up two spots even with a loss to Notre Dame. I, I'm pretty confident that I'm not pretty confident anything can happen, but I don't I don't see a lot moving at the top. Um, unless Florida beats Bama somehow. Um, I don't see Ohio State really playing enough games to, to, to lose. And I think when we play Clemson in the AC Championship, whoever wins that is going to get the two spot. The other person's going to get the three or the four spot. Um, I think, unfortunately, Cincinnati's probably not going to get a fair look at it. And then BYU and, and those teams on the outside looking in, like Texas A&M and maybe Oklahoma, probably also not going to get a look at it. But you never know. And scheduling could change. And, you know, it's, it's as fluid a year as any, any year. So, um, but I, I thought 
this this week's rankings kind of solidified how the committee felt about the top four. Yeah, and I think just like more data points, you learn more about uh, the yeah, the rest of it as well. Just like you look at like a like BYU still hasn't budged, right? Um, but Iowa State gets to jump up a few spots because they beat you know they beat Texas. I, I think you just kind of like, the more weeks that we get that we get of this, the better understanding we'll have of, of, of how the how the committee feels about team how many teams each how many games each team has played uh, and what their situation is. Yeah. Well, you brought up Cincinnati. I think it's interesting because they're still the closest that really any group of five team has ever been. They need three things to happen. Two of them, I'd say, you know, I'd give more than, say, a 40% chance of it happening is that Notre Dame beats Clemson in the ACC title. Alabama beats Florida in the SEC title. And then A&M loses one of its next two games. If those three things happen, you know, I think you see Ohio State at three, Notre Dame, Alabama interchangeable one and two, and then I think you have to put Cincinnati there at four. And those are three kind of realistic things. Are you are you rooting for that, D? Would you like to see Cincinnati in the four spot? No, of course not. I hate Cincinnati. Okay. No, because I don't. Want, I want Luke Fickle to, you know, fall down a little bit because I want him to coach at Notre Dame in twenty twenty four. You don't want to take. You don't. You want. You don't want Clark Lee in that spot. I guess we'll get to that in a second. I have a question for you before we get to that. Um, is it possible for Notre Dame to get the one seed if Alabama doesn't lose? If Alabama wins out, no. The thing that really helps Alabama right now is that. They have Georgia sitting there at eight, which is kind of I think, I think it's kind garbage. of garbage. Yeah, and A and M at yeah. five, so that'll give them three top ten wins to R two. Okay. Even with I, I don't think Georgia should be at eight. Their combined opponent record is going to be after they beat Vanderbilt this weekend. It's going to be twelve and three. I, I think Georgia is fraudulent. Georgia is fraudulent. I I think I think that's an interesting question, Slev. Um, I don't ever see the committee moving Alabama out of that spot unless they did something to move themselves out of that spot. And I don't think they're wrong for having us two right now. If we beat Clemson again with a 10 to 14 point margin of victory, I think we probably deserve that one spot. Yeah, I'm not saying... And I think I think it matters a lot. I think it matters a lot this year. Yeah. I'd, I'd much rather be in a one spot than, than a two or three spot. Me too. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I'm i not saying that the committee has it wrong because I because I think Alabama is a wagon. Like I think I think they I think they're very very good. I'm I'm struggling to find a weak spot with them. Like I think that Notre Dame does have potential weaknesses um, that have been made up for in, in other spots. But like I'm struggling to find a, 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 an extremely weak spot um, with Alabama. So yeah, I'm not saying they don't deserve the one spot. I'm not saying they shouldn't hold it. I was just curious if you guys thought there was anything that we could do to, to kind of play ourselves into the one. But I agree. I agree with what you guys what you guys said as well. I wish there was. <laughs> well, only, 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 only pack in the only pack in the blue jerseys would be cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we we kind of touched on it. Uh, do you guys want to go down to Nashville talk about what's going on? Why Vanderbilt? At least on like Monday, Sunday, Monday, Vanderbilt was almost at the center of the college football universe. It seemed. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the good news or the bad news first with, with Vanderbilt? I think we pro- we probably should touch. Well, Sarah Fuller chronologically happened first. I, I, I have two I have a very very distinct opinion about what's good news and what's bad news down there. I, I think I think 
our take on Sarah Fuller is probably all pretty similar in that I wish that Vanderbilt ever was in field goal position. Like, they just were never in the 30. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, everyone's shitting on there for a squib quick. There's no way they called for it. They, there's no way they called for that ball to be kicked. Dude, I sh- No, no, no. She ran so. She ran right off the field. Like, I think they didn't want her getting hit at all, so she did that on purpose. I I also saw her punt, punt the soccer ball off off the off the six-yard box, and I'm pretty sure I saw the video that she kicked it almost the length of the field. I'm not really worried about got a cannon. her got a cannon. being able to put it inside the opposite 15. Like, I think that was clearly a squib kick. But with that said, like, I think – that was to me. That was like the distinct good news that like they were able they were able to pull someone off the women's soccer team to to come in and and, and play for them this weekend. And I, I like to me. I, I, and again this upcoming weekend. And again this upcoming weekend. I, and to me, like I think that's great stuff. Like it's it, it should be it should serve as inspiration to, to other to other girls around the country saying you know like hey Sarah Fuller can do it. Why can't why can't I do it too? I, th- I think it's really good stuff. Um, on on their part, and she gave a good halftime speech evidently. That's 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 the news as well. But she's she's really getting the short end of the stick here with them getting Georgia this weekend too. Like she, if she's lucky, she gets a field goal attempt. But I don't I don't ever see them being in position. Maybe an extra point, but I don't ever see that happening against Georgia. Dude, they couldn't do it against Missouri. Like, and, and Missouri's <laughs> no Missouri this year. Their identity is with a strong offense, with like a with like an offense, a dynamic offense that's well schemed out. It's not that they have this rock solid defense that should be shutting shutting people down. So that that was a bit frustrating, I think, for a lot of people is that Vanderbilt could cr- yeah, couldn't exactly. couldn't cross the plus side of the forty, which was just bananas. All right, and now to the bad news with Vandy. Uh, for Notre Dame fans, at least, probably good news. If you're a Vanderbilt fan, you don't have to deal with Derek Mason anymore, but he's been fired, and Notre Dame fans are worried about Clark Lee going to his alma mater where he walked on for four years. Didn't know he played fullback, actually. That was a fun fact I learned. But So what are our thoughts on you know the Vanderbilt opening and I guess whether Clark Lee should be interested? Will he take it? Everything involved with that. Slav, I know we, we, we talked about this a little bit, but there's some fun thoughts there. Um, but it was nice. The good news about the bad news is that the Vandy AD came out <laughs> and said that she was looking for a coach with an offensive tendency, an offensive mind, um, which I think every Irish fan that was tuned into that correctly news took a sigh, a sigh of relief. There. It was a, it was a giant, gigantic collective sigh of relief. Uh, I know for at least for at least me you and uh, me and Sean were talking about it the other day, but um, to me I was very I was very happy here that they that they they would like to go with somebody offensive minded. To me, I don't like I don't know if that necessarily makes sense for them, and I'm not saying that the AD doesn't know what she's talking about because clearly she does. You know, there's a reason she's an SEC AD, um, but like to me, just like as a football fan, I feel like they. They're not. They're just not going to be able to get it done offensively against some pretty strong SEC defenses. I really like the the idea being floated of, of Jeff Munkin. Like, um, and of course that's probably due to my bias to the Church of Fornelli. But like, I love the idea of Munkin because them playing straight up, being being in state with Tennessee. I don't think they'll ever land the recruits to to, 
play straight up football to win enough games to win an SEC East Division title or an SEC championship or or championship in general. Like they're going to have to change things up if they want to get wins against the Georgias and the Floridas and the Alabamas of the world. Yeah. Overall, you know, I can see why Clark Lee wants it if he's the type of guy that loves a challenge. But, I mean, that's a dead-end job. The SEC East is only getting stronger. I think, you know, Florida's back at the top. Georgia, with the way they've recruited, they're there to stay. Uh, You know, maybe Tennessee's able to get something going. South Carolina, they've already fired Muschamp, so... You know, they'll probably be on the rise a little bit. Kentucky's much better than they historically are. It's just tough to win there. You know, you don't want to, if you're him, you really have to weigh your options. You know, should he go to his alma mater, try to revive them? But at the same time, if he does that, his head coaching aspirations could, you know, die down a bit. And, you know, he won't be considered for that Notre Dame job when it comes to Has he over. said anything about it? Like, do we know if he wants it? I don't know, and I would expect him to play it extremely close to the vest. I don't think that he'll. Yeah, I, I would think fine. so as well. But, but I know we we've we've thrown this around a little bit. But, Jack, I mean, Swarbrick has to step in a little bit and, and have a conversation with Kelly and Clark Lee and and engage Clark Lee's interest in Notre Dame and and see what Kelly's thinking for the future. Because I, I I don't think it's a bad move to to make him the coach in waiting. Um, if he would want that and if he's willing to wait. Um, Donna, would you want that? You mentioned Fickle, but would you be okay with Clark Lee getting promised the, the, the next coaching job? I, I am just kind of in principle against you know naming a coach and waiting. It's never really worked out that well because you know that means that you know other schools see that Notre Dame keeps him in high regard. They'll throw tons of money at him. And then you know honestly, like sometimes things just go stale. Like I think we saw it happen at FSU. Uh, Jimbo after Bobby Bowden, of course, you know, they started out hot, but, you know, eventually things can die out. I, I just don't think you should name someone, especially now when Kelly's contract, you know, he signed till 2024. You know, Clark Lee, you know, a lot of things have happened in four years. Look, what have happened. Look how Notre Dame's changed in the last four years, you know, from 2016 until now. So I, I do think, though, that if you're Clark, not if you're Clark Lee, if you're Jack Swarbrick, you just hand Clark Lee a piece of paper and say, what do you want? Write a number on there. Yeah. I think, like, much much like my opinions on DJ LeMayu and, and the New York Yankees, I, I for, in both situations, I say drop the bag, let them let him name their price, and and make Clark Lee the highest paid defensive coordinator in football. I know finances don't exactly work like that, and they're, and like, you know, you gotta make, you gotta make the bottom line meet, you got to make ends meet as a, as an athletic program on the whole. But like to me, I don't see why you don't give him every every dollar that you can on the planet because he. I mean, he's that's, an, he's that's an just like that. We kind of had this conversation with Elko a little bit, and thank God we let Elko go because we got Clark Lee. But we we don't like Notre Dame has never in the past thrown a bag at a coordinator. We kind of let him go if they if they get a bag elsewhere. I mean, I think Clark Lee's worth it. We saw it, you know, this week. We'll get into that later, but, you know, shutting out Carolina. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was just going to say that, like, I, I think that Notre Dame has – I'm pretty conf- can confidently say that Notre Dame probably is the best coordinator combo in the country right now. Um, don't get me wrong. I think the I think the Alabama staff is great, and I think that, the you know, the Clemson staff is great as well. But 
I don't think anybody's coached as well as Reese and and Lee have, um, and I think that that's that's pretty rare to get uh, to get two guys like that at the same time. So I, to me, like you know, I know Notre Dame hasn't done it, done it in the past, but I, I do I do what you can to keep both those guys there uh, for as long as you can because they seem there seems to be a good a, a good mesh between uh, on the coaching staff right now, which I, which I don't know if you've if you've always seen. Just like, because if you look at like the 2012 team, um, that was really successful. I think, because Mike Golick Jr. talked about it in in, in an interview last week uh, on the Shamrock, just saying that you know he was there for five years and saw four offensive line coaches. Like, it's not it's not all the time that you get the continuity that the Notre Dame coaching staff has had, um, and and the talent that they have that they have had as of right now. So I I do I do what you can to keep them. Real quick. Live update to all the basketball fans out there. Jalen Suggs is on the ground in a ton of pain. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, was an ankle. Which would be a big bummer. Notre Dame recruited Suggs for basketball and football. Um, I don't think it went. I don't think. I don't think it went very far. Five star quarterback. Yeah, he was a stud in in all aspects of both games, but I don't think it went very far. But I think they were looking at him to play both because he went on a he went on a football recruiting trip. And Bray was there, so that would have been a fun. That would have been a fun person to have on campus. I did not know that. That would have been sick. But all right, I want to touch on Big Ten continuing to uh, kind of crap their pants <laughs> here this season. I was their last undefeated or not last undefeated team. Northwestern just. I feel so horrible. vindicated about that. I feel so vindicated. I mean. That was, that was all time. Pat Fitzgerald yeah. just outdid himself on that one. Like Northwestern looks really, really good. They do something really great, and then they just come back out and and they have completely reverted to the fighting Reese Davises. Like <laughs> they they took it and shoved it right back up at Joey Galloway, and then just yeah, fell. Right that was back that was the most normal thing to happen in all of twenty twenty, is Northwestern playing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I got played. I, Ian, Ian, you didn't get played. You saw right through the BS, but I, I got played. Yeah, I mean, if you're Wisconsin, you have to just be kicking yourself right now. Like, how did you lose to that team? Like, that that's a you know, six-win team. And they turned it over five times, right, Wisconsin did? Yes, yeah, they did turn it over like five that. But, like, now Northwestern still is going to be playing for a Big Ten title. Yeah, but, like... 14th, they're playing for Big Ten title. 14th in the CFP is still way too high for them. I, I, I thought they should have been maybe in the 20s. Yeah. I Honestly, I could see them, I guess they might not even play till that championship game. Like, they should drop. I don't mm-hmm. know if they will. I, I don't see them playing again. Why, like, the, the Michigan canceled their game against Minnesota today. Michigan might play Ohio State. Like, I, I think... Michigan and Ohio State's probably in a ton of danger right now. I don't. Yeah, I would. I would guess that I. I probably lean towards it not happening before I lean towards it ha- happening at this point. Um, did you guys see? I don't know if we want to save this for discussion, but did you guys? Did you guys watch the college football playoff? Frank, I did. I didn't get to catch did it. Watch that. I heard a little bit on the Cover Three pod um, about how like Reese Davis was trying to like keep that shit together. <laughs> Yeah, I just started unraveling. Like every bias, every piece of bias that 
Herb Street had between, like they mentioned, him being an Ohio State guy and his sons being at Clemson and the, co- and the, co- and the coach she talks to being Dabo, uh, plus Galloway. And, like, I, I think every, it, it just started to unravel. Like, they were, they were seriously throwing around Michigan willing to just quit on As the season. As a spite to Ohio State. And, like, as a spite to Ohio State, and, and like, I think it's funny for us to joke about on this podcast, but how in the world is that, like, okay for ESPN's production of the Dude, I, I think it's Dude, I think that's a, a great thing. Like, Dono, don't cut this part of the pod, because, like, I didn't I didn't watch it, but I heard about it, but, like, that that's, like, crazy unprofessional for them to throw those type of accusations around, because... What I heard was that Reese Davis like gave them a chance to clarify, like, okay, like it's funny to talk about, but like, are you guys actually saying that? And they were like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they kind they kind of didn't walk it back as as much as they probably needed to needed to in order to fix rectify the situation. It was it was weird, and 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 the interview that they did with the head of the committee was was also weird. Like he they they were asking him about BYU, and. I didn't really like the answer that he gave about about BYU not really moving. He was he said something along the lines of like, I guess the same reason that they that they ranked them low last week, but they were talking about how um, they just like don't have a very good strength of schedule. I was like, yeah, they don't have a very good strength of schedule, yeah, but they, they, they kicked the living like shit out of every team they played. Like, <laughs> yeah, they they you know what they should beg Cincinnati to get a game on. Yeah, for it, I mean, they have to, they have to, and it's looking like Cincinnati would probably have to take it as well. Well. Do you know what the scenario that I thought could happen that I saw floating around on Twitter today? So Michigan just came down with COVID issues today. What happens if they have to cancel December 12th against Ohio State? Ohio State, you know, I don't see Ryan Day as the type of guy to really back down. I kind of, you know, like Ryan Day. I think they'll step up. What if on that December 12th date, I don't know if B- what BYU has going on, but if Ohio State – has to if Michigan cancels on them in the Big Ten, I feel like they almost have to if they want to get a team in the playoff. Switches around, much like the Pac-12 says, you can schedule non-conference games. Allows Ohio State and BYU to play oh. each other. That would be fun. So, so that'd be a blast. But I think that my like my reservations on that, like I think that's a really good idea. I would love for that to happen. That would make December twelfth a very good day of football for me. Um, but I think my reservations are that if Michigan cancels and they need to get they need to get Ohio State another game, I think the Big Ten is going to do everything they can to keep it in conference um, against. To re- yeah, I agree. I, it's not it's not great. And then the other thing is like, I know that you know Zach Wilson's anytime, anyplace, anybody, and Ryan Day doesn't really back down from challenges like that. But they, I'm sure they're going to be strongly encouraged to not take that game if it was proposed. Because what if you know you know Ohio State probably beats that BYU team nine out of ten times. But if that BYU team beats Ohio State that and it was it's that one out of out of ten times. See you later, because Ohio State's not going to the playoff. And right now, I think if they stay at four and zero, which you know, I don't necessarily agree with, because I I think they sh- will they should they will. I think they should have had to play more games, but if they stay at four and zero, I again, like Ian said, I don't really see much budging at the top. Like I could definitely see them keep holding that fourth spot. Well, if you're Ohio State there, so what happens? This is a very plausible scenario: Clemson beats Notre Dame, Florida beats Alabama. 
I think that's yeah. your four playoff team. Yeah, right there. They, I think if Ohio State, yeah, things have to stay the way they are for Ohio State to get in, and they'll get in, which Cincy should be kind of mad about. Um, but if it stays where they are, we're, we play Clemson a third time in the playoff. I want Ohio State in that four spot because they could. They're probably have the best shot of beating Bama of any of the, the the other teams that would get in there. And there's there's zero discussion of asterisks and, and whatnot. I mean, that's like a pretty consensus top four team there. Yeah, if Notre Dame wins that top four, then they then they they won out with against three powerhouses. You know, they only have to play two of them, but they they yeah. They they want they want out against the cream of the crop up there. So I think that, that yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, one thing that we should I think talk about before we get to UNC because we we should do that now. But um, the ACC cancels cancels December twelfth games. I I think yeah. I think we had we had differing opinions yeah. on Does, this, but I I personally was probably happy about that. I'm, I, I'm happy too. I was I, I texted you guys immediately and was not thrilled about it, um, but after further uh, after further further thinking about it, I think I'm I am happy about it as well. I just the the injury risk is too high, and you know what? Fuck it. I think that Notre Dame can you know can can take can take Clemson again, um, you know, in a few weeks in, in Charlotte. Uh, I was kind of I was kind of hoping in the camp that like oh maybe Clemson doesn't get enough games and Notre Dame just waltzes into the playoff with another win over a team like Miami who's still a top twenty five team. But I, fuck it, give, give me Clemson. Let's do this the hard way because um, everything else has been that. Yeah, way I mean this year, I'm usually so. in the camp of more football is good football, but I I like I wasn't looking past Wake Forest. I've seen some of their games and I mean that would I I think they're a worse version of North Carolina, but. I don't know. Like it's just, it's just not something I would really wanted to go through again. I think it would have been just kind of nerve wracking. I, I mean, you risk, you know, Kyron. You want to get him as healthy as possible for Clemson. He's going to be taking hits against Clemson. You know, you don't want him tweaking an ankle. Sebo's had a bum ankle. Um, Let's get Carell you know, healthy. Yeah, get Carell healthy because he turned his ankle too. You know, I, th- I think health is the biggest thing at Notre Dame Point. You don't want to risk, you know, say. You know, Kyle Hamilton gets another targeting foul in the second half of the Wake Forest game. Well, now he's out for Clemson, first half at least. But, you know, that I guess, like, the positive would have been, you know, get that offensive line to mesh more, get more experience. But, you know, I think you just got to roll with it at this point. I, I think the trade-off's too big if, you know, something bad were to happen. God knows, like, if Ian Book goes out, this team's well. Done. Like, cheers! Cheers to our first ACC championship appearance, boys. Yep. And regular an ACC probably. I was gonna say probably an ACC regular season crown, barring it. Yeah, so no, I think nice. I think we have it for sure. I think we locked it up. I love it. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about how we got. That's there. good stuff. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk, talk about Saturday. Notre Dame clinched that spot in the ACC title, thirty-one seventeen over Carolina. Wasn't the easiest game, especially right away. I mean, Carolina looked like a beast on those first two drives. We were, especially how we um, receivers. This is definitely the the most nervous we've gotten as a collective. Uh, this the the conversation between us was not as confident and and subdued that it would eventually lead to a win. There was some jitters, at least on my end. Uh, certainly some jitters on my end as well. 
certainly. It seems like Notre Dame, yeah, like people have picked apart our defense saying, yeah, the secondary's weak, they can get beat deep. It seems to me like it's only Tariq Brady. He gets cooked. Like, he gets cooked. Happened against Clemson. It happened twice. One was called back. Gets mossed in the end zone. It's just like, oh, my goodness. That was the point I was trying to make earlier with, like, me not really seeing flaws in Alabama. Like, I think we could definitely, if there's one spot that Notre Dame is going to be Alabama, it's going to be up front. And I think that that can still happen. But I don't really see anywhere where Notre Dame would expose and, Alabama. And Alabama would expose I see a, that spot. And, and that's what I was about to say. I, would, I can see a spot where an elite group of receivers with a, with a competent quarterback would expose Tariq Bracey, and that happened twice in the first quarter. First quarter. Right? First, first quarter. Second drive yeah. in the first quarter as well, yeah, right? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, that happened twice in the first quarter on Saturday, and that, that was really frustrating. Um, but, you know, it, like I think I think they moved to Clarence Lewis and, and, and started to get a lot more pressure up front, and, and things kind of settled down a little bit. But I was certainly very, very nervous. Why does it, uh, why does it always take – Bracy getting cooked four times for us to then go to Francis. <laughs> How about this interesting, interesting, funny stat here? The live line oh, for the over under when the game was fourteen fourteen was um, was eighty three and a half. I think <laughs> North Carolina scored three more points, <laughs> and that was it <laughs> for the rest yeah. of the game. Yeah, so um, I thought that was a little interesting one right there. Yeah, talk about our defense. Yeah, those first two drives are bad. It was tackling too. Notre Dame, like yeah, tackling. We were awful in the right spots most of the time, other than you know Bracy getting beat deep, of course. But it wasn't like Carolina was out scheming us, having guys running wide open over the middle of the field for the most part. You know, it'd be Williams or Carter, their running backs, slip a tackle, get twenty yards. You know, or they yeah, or give they're... it to Daz Newsom on a you know bubble yeah. screen, slips a tackle from Sean Crawford probably. Another twenty yards. Or, like I thought, Drew White played a really solid football game, but he yeah, got he cooked went, he went on one of those. Early. Or, it was, it was on the, it was on the perimeter. Oh my, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh boy, if this, like, if this is what today is going to be, like, we're we're going to have a long day. But again, like I said, I think everybody kind of settled down a little bit, um, and I think that a lot of credits due to the defensive line because. They Sam Howell said it in his press his post game press conference like he never got comfortable, um, and once he was once he was taken out of his zone, you know after the first after the first few drives by the defensive line, I think it made everybody else's job a lot easier uh, behind them. So so kudos to to guys like Ade and to Dalen and to Kurt Heinish and Myron. Like, yeah, I, I thought, thought I thought Ade really played well. great. Herb Street said at one point in the broadcast. Ade was at one awesome. In the broadcast, this is the best. I best defensive performance I've ever seen against Sam Howell in particular. Um, I thought we did a great job of shutting down Sam Howell. Um, and then I, when when Hamilton went out, I was like, "Where where is the answers now?" Um, that was when I the, the the peak of my nervousness. But everybody stepped up after that. So, um, does does when Hamilton when Hamilton 14, goes out? Is it 14, still maybe fourth, seventeen fourteen uh, four? No, it was yeah, 14 apiece because I believe they got three. It was 14 apiece. Was that the drive they got three on? It, yeah, yes, drive. yes, it was. It was. If Notre was. Dame makes a tackle on a, you know, just, you know, they had trips to the top of the screen, flare screen, Daz Newsome, third and 18, backed up like inside their own 20, pick it up, 
then they get him in third and 20. And then Hamilton gets a targeting. He shouldn't have even left that game. We should have stopped him on third and 18. No. And who who who's it that missed that tackle? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Wu got washed I, inside. Wu got washed inside, and we really only had two guys. I think it was Crawford. I think it was Crawford. Because because it was Crawford on that play, and then later on that same drive, I think it was the next play that when Houston Houston Griffith came in. I mean, it wasn't an absolute killer, but he missed the tackle on the first play that he came in to fill in for um, for Hamilton. My question also too was like again. I'm a strong believer in everything that Clark Lee did on Saturday because obviously he pulled all the right strings, um, especially dialing up the pressure with the defensive line and the linebackers. Um, but, like, to me, my immediate question, I, I think I asked you guys, was like, where's Isaiah Pryor? Because, like, I thought he would be the the guy to back up Hamilton. He's, a, he's, a, he's an older guy with experience from Ohio State who – I think is probably a better tackler than Houston Griffith, and I haven't loved everything I've seen from Houston Griffith. Like I was like, dude, where is Pryor, especially after that missed tackle from, from well, Griffith? Well, we've moved Pryor to Rover now. He's not even at safety. Probably hasn't been playing safety since you know second, third week of the season. So, I think it'd that be hard. It. Yeah, it, it would be hard to move him back. You know, trying to cover. You know, the yeah, he's also probably if, if if that's the case, then he also probably put on weight as well so he's not probably in safety shape he's in he's in down he's in nickelback down nickelbacks shape which is a lot heavier yeah and my thing about isaiah prior and tackling is why i might not be as high on him as some other people do you guys remember 2018 uh when purdue smoked ohio state rondale moore had a sick touchdown some guy came up on him you know rondale moore is what five nine buck 75 just shoves him right off him that was Isaiah Pryor for Ohio State trying to make that tackle, who's like 6'2", 210. Supposedly a freak athlete. It looks like he's cut from glass, just getting tossed by more. So I'm not that high on Isaiah Pryor. Hopefully he can transition to a good rover next year. But, yeah. I, I thought – I thought, but overall I thought DJ Brown and Houston Griffith, you know, other than that first play by Houston, I thought they came in and did a fine job. Yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's, let's cut the negativity because end-all, be-all – after three minutes left in the first quarter, uh, Notre Dame's defense closed the goddamn. They put game. on a show. They, they, they were they, awesome. They, they came uh, to play. They put on a show. They did. They they started tackle. Oh, Marist was a beast. Marist Marist was great. Marist was great. He, he really brings the brings the hits. Yeah, those running backs, like you know, we've seen dudes blitzing all year. You know, Bo Bauer can bring some energy when he blitzes, physicality, but. I mean, Marist, like, multiple times, like, it led to Sam Howell's sacks or throwaways when he just blows the running back right back into him. And, you know, he's not trying to get cute, do a swim move, rip, you know, push-pull. He's straight up, I am going to fly from four yards depth straight at you while you're standing still. Good luck. I would like I would like to see him on the field more. Um, I thought I thought he earned it a little bit. And, and he just, at some point, he's going to make some people feel it and he's going to wear some people down. Um, because because at the end the end there North Carolina's offense it looked like just just didn't really want to battle that much. Oh yeah, their last drive of the game. I know they're down fourteen. It didn't mean a ton, but they didn't even like try on that. There's like minute twenty left. Like theoretically, like it's still on the table, but I mean they were just they just quit, 
And it happened on the defensive side of the ball, too, when, you know, we got the ball, six minutes left. We all knew what was coming because Notre Dame's done it all year long. You know, just a couple first downs, get the ball inside the 10. We actually scored this. Yeah, our, our, our four-minute offense we just gonna is awesome. Dominate. Um, it, it did the job against Louisville. Um, haven't really needed a ton since then, but I mean, if we're in, if we're, if we have the lead with under five minutes, um, the other team's in trouble because I mean, we have the best offensive line in all of football, even with missing some guys. And Kyron Williams is such a good back. He's such a good back. When he when he broke that one, yeah, when he broke. I that want to talk one, about Kyron. I Williams. want people to look it up. It was it was a forty yard run on our on our last touchdown scoring drive. If you look at how silky is when he switches hands to then go for the stiff arm, I mean that ball mm-hmm. gets over there so smooth and in half a second. And it, he's just such a good back. I I want to talk about Kyron Williams because I, I was watching some of the highlights today. Um, actually, you know where you can see it perfectly is Notre Dame football posted the icon, like the the behind the scenes video they do. You can see it perfectly on there. The second touchdown. Was, it was the second touchdown that was the little that like the Ian book Ian book throwing off his back foot to Kyron for like a little dig pass that Kyron got into the end zone. It got into the end zone, right? Okay. So what's wild about that play is before Kyron even has the presence presence of mind to skirt out and be an option for his quarterback, Kyron Williams eats an awesome awesome block on the best athlete on North Carolina's team, probably Chaz Surratt. Uh, Jazz Surratt, it's a, a, it's a bad snap from Corral. So books are already slow to get in his drop, and kind of, kind of can't get a grip on the ball. Jazz Surratt came flying through the a gap, and Kyron Williams put his hat on this guy's chest, picked up the block, and gave Ian some time to, to take a few steps back, um, and work his magic. After blocking the best player on the Carolina defense, probably. He then has the presence of mind to get up off the floor and skirt out to the right and be an option for his scrambling quarterback and catch the ball and get to the end zone. Ian Who played. Ian man? played fantastic, Who is and this he man deserved all. And he and he deserves all the credit that Herb Street and and the rest of the ESPN crew give him. But that play by Kyron Williams, like to me, that that really stands out as like that's a mature back, that's a skilled back, that's a back who wants to win. Like that was that was an awesome play by twenty three. I give I give him a lot of credit on that. And and he scores and he scores the game winning touchdown. Uh, I guess not the game winning touchdown. He scores a touchdown and hits him with the hits him with the LeBron James silencer. Get, I mean, LeBron that was pretty hype. Notre Dame. We've been on LeBron's Twitter like quite often with the, with the Clemson storm in the field and now Kyron. So uh, I don't hate it. I don't What's his it it's good. It's good like, he's a, he's such a complete back. I, I would he say he is really complete back. I would say he doesn't have a lead speed. Uh, his his tu- his yeah. first touchdown run I against. Mean, I don't know, but maybe may disappointed. Yeah, but I was gonna say. He I, got I, will away. Say, I will say that forty-seven yarder. I think if that's Chris Tyree bringing out, he dusts that safety. You know, he yeah, doesn't have necessarily. Any, he has enough speed. He's certainly faster than say like a Tony Jones, but I don't think he has that. Josh Adams, you know, he's quicker than Adams for sure, but Adams had that top gear once he got rolling. You know, he's a big dude. And then, you know, Dexter kind of had that top gear. Tyree certainly does, even though we haven't really seen it yet. But I think he's missing that top gear, but he's certainly fast enough. 
I, yeah, I don't. I agree. I, I agree. He, I think he has enough speed to close to close the runs he needs to. Like I don't think he'll get caught from behind. Um, but when he needed to make a guy miss and then keep going again, I think that was probably like I don't know. If, I don't like like D said. Like I don't know if he'll be able to get back to top speed at that point. Okay, let's. Uh, Ian, Ian, if if you could, if you could define this this weekend's game for me and book in, in a phrase, uh, what would you? Define it as, and there's a right answer to this question. It was a phrase that was thrown out, thrown around a few times um, on Saturday. If you listen to the broadcast, I mean, he's just a gamer. Like he just, he's just an absolute gamer. I mean, are yes, you talking, uh, talking Johnny fra- Manziel esque? I don't, I don't want, I want to get to that. Oh, Thank you, D. 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 got the right That's answer. That was the right answer. Back here. If I had described the book, I would just say point guard. He's a point guard playing football. That so so I was a little annoyed by the backyard football thing. I thought it was really it was like funny the first time, but it was a lot of it. But I do think that um, I think Chris Fowler was the one who said it, who called Ian Book a point guard on turf, and that was D D just mentioned that. I thought that's like I think that's such such a high compliment because um, I I I think of senior guards in college basketball who have led their teams to national championships, and like those dudes, they're not always the best, but. Yeah, they're not. They're Jalen Brunson may have been the best player on the floor, but like those guys are not always the best best player on the floor. But man, do they do they show up when needed? Maybe Archie uh, Diakon is a better Nova compared. That's what that's more than I was Trade thinking. Of, it was Archie Diakon now actually? Like he didn't win shit, but yeah. like you you look at now. I know Chris Paul's never won one in the NBA. You'd say James Harden with the stats and Westbrook. You know they're more the Kyle Trask, Mac Jones type of dudes just putting up numbers. Now give me Chris Paul if I'm starting the team. At, at this point in his career? <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, see what the Thunder just, uh, or the Rockets just traded for John Wall. They just traded Westbrook for John Wall. Breaking news. I, I saw that. I kind of like, yeah. like that. Holy I kind of like that for the Rockets. Wow. Um, but I do want to. I do want to get. I do want to get to this because it was the ESPN team on a podcast this early this week that compared Ian Buck to Johnny Manziel. I don't like it either. What What do you guys think about that? I, I hate it. I, I hate it. I don't. I, I hate it because I'm, I'm not a big Johnny Manziel guy myself. But I also just don't think. It's I, an I don't think so either. They, they They see the flip. They see the flip yeah. play, and that's that's where it comes from. But like. Yeah. Johnny turned the ball over. Ian Book hasn't had a turnover in his last sixteen. I think seventeen. I, I, I think halves that's the big difference. Knock, knock on, Johnny, knock on wood right now. Took, but yeah. he was knock he on was, wood right now. But yeah, he saw no consequences to his actions, as you see in his daily life. But he played football that way too. Book. He had Mike Book, Evans to throw it up to. He first of all, he doesn't have like the natural like talent Manziel had in that sense. Book, I didn't think that was a bad decision to flip. Like it, it looked weird, but I didn't. It. I thought it was. Cal- I think it was. Cal- I thought it, it was calculated. Weird. He's done it before. Like, I thought it was pretty calculated, and 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 he doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't take these stupid risks. He just makes plays. They may have a similar. They may have a similar stature, but like outside of that, like also, wasn't Manziel throwing for like north of four hundred yards every game? Manziel's also he's one of the few quarterbacks that like we've really seen like turn backwards and run the opposite direction to get away from pressure. 
And Book did that when there was a back, bad Corral snap. I think, like, I think there was there was plays that looked a little like Johnny Manziel, but to compare him as a complete quarterback to Johnny Manziel, I think it was completely off base. I think it was Pop. I think it was Pollock who said it. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree more. And I, I, I usually like Pollock, but I, I well, could. Playing I great. I, I mean, he's more. playing out of his mind the last three games in a way that we just have not. Like, he's a completely different player. Yeah, he is. And he's it's great. Legitimate Heisman contender, especially if he outplays Lawrence on December nineteenth. He better get some love before we and, move and on. The, uh, yeah, go, go ahead, because I was gonna. I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say the and the awards getting. Uh, I think it's being given late this year, so should have plenty of time to give to to pad to pad some stats and show his game against Lawrence on the nineteenth. Yeah. So before we like move on, I want to give a shout out to Javon McKinley, another hundred yard game. That's three on the season. That's just as many as Claypool had last year and Boykin the year before. Out of nowhere, no one expected this from him. He's truly a deep threat, you know. I think we talked about it. Maybe it was South Florida or Louisville where we were throwing end zone fades. Still not a fan of that just because I don't like end zone fades. But the dude's showing he can win 50-50 balls. He's done it consistently over the last three games. I think he yeah. won twice twice last week. That's, or that's, also, that's a different play twice. than the end zone Those were great catches. I'm much more comfortable throwing it 40 yards downfield than six yards when he's when the, when the receiver's backpedaled on a fade. Like, McKinley has the time to set his feet, jump off two feet, and go up and rebound the ball. Like, he just high points it, and he's, he's going to win a lot of those battles. Like, those are no longer 50-50s. Yeah. I thought there was – I thought the Notre Dame, Notre Dame passing game did a really good job on the whole. Like, I think North Carolina had skilled, had skilled secondary, but a young secondary. I know they had that kid playing at corner um, who was supposed to be a high school senior and was an early enrollee in Chapel Hill. Um, but I, like I thought, Notre Dame's receivers, particularly McKinley, did a pretty good job uh, on their secondary and, and did a really good job winning those two jump balls because I think those are pretty big to pretty pretty big to keep our drives going. Um, especially because once we get on the plus side of the forty or on the plus side of the fifty, like we can really slow things down a little bit and like you, know, you don't have to worry about throwing the ball as much. Like we can we can kind of bleed them to death from there if we want to to get to the end zone. And- one thing to note, our red zone offense is slowly improving, I'd say, mm-hmm. since Louisville. We're getting a little better. It's still not perfect, but it's getting uh, Mixing, mixing in the, the speeds, the, the jet sweep to Skoranek was an interesting play call. Obviously, it worked, and I think it was a good play call from Tommy Reese. I didn't necessarily think he had the speed to be the one to run it, but I guess there is an element of, like, you didn't expect Skoranek to be taking the jet sweep. You know, you expect to bring Avery Davis on the field, Lawrence Keys on the field to do that. So, yeah, I think good play call by Tommy Reese. At, at that I like, point, I like the he didn't, there, um, especially I thought that, I thought that was a bad a play bit. call right at the snap, but obviously it worked out. I think it worked because, yeah, we have guys that can that, that can score if they get space like that. The speedy guys, Lawrence Keyes and Brady Lindsey, but they always get tackled by the first guy. And Skronik broke that first tackle, which is key, because it, it the, the, the jet sweep has to be perfectly set up for there not to be that first tackler. And and Lindsay and Keys haven't like really shown the ability to mm-hmm. break that tackle this year. Oh, and Keys could have had a he got, huge. He got, he got, and he went down. He went down. Tackle. Yeah. And something on something on Ian's point about you know Skronik breaks that first tackle, but then once he breaks that first tackle, 
there is no way he's not getting to the end zone because I think it was I think it was Mayor I know it was at least Mayor and Tremble and Brock Wright might have been out there as well, but they all picked up awesome blocks on the perimeter to make sure that he was going to have whatever avenue he chose to get to the end zone from there. So good job on that. They again you know I think we we're not even talking about them, but they were outstanding again the tight ends like they were they were really good again especially Tremble. Um, one thing I want to touch on now was Lug and Corral. Um, uh, I wouldn't say the brightest of spots. Like to me, I had I had a mixed review on Corral. He seemed very very nervous, especially with a lot of the bad snaps early. Like the, I mean, they were those. You know, it's something that is pretty routine for him. But in, in a game where you're feeling nervous and stuff, in your first first college start, like it it, it showed. Um, and it almost you know, there's a few plays almost got book killed. Um, but with that said, I thought he I thought he improved later in the game. There was one play that was highlighted a bunch with him moving up to the second level and springing Kyron, um, which was great. Um, to me, I thought Lug struggled a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I thought I, I thought so he struggled. I was so unhappy with Lug and a lot of play. Like so many of our run plays were blown up because he would just his first step was so slow off the line. I thought, and they just push him upfield, and he was already three deep, three yards deep in our backfield. We can't allow them to get that penetration like when we're playing playing Clemson or whoever in the playoff. No, and what's what's interesting this week is that Carell's Carell has a high ankle sprain, so it sounds like he's not going to play this week. Um, I'm sure he'll be healthy. You know, come come the ACC championship game, it's probably not that important that he plays this week. But it sounds like Kramer will be back after the appendix removal, and Lug. It sounds like the the plan is to move Lug to center. Um, I think that he'll have a lot more success with four full-time offensive linemen around him. Um, that'll take a lot of the pressure off for sure, and against a less athletic and younger D line in Syracuse. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he can iron some things out this week. Again, I think this is something that comes with comes with reps. Not it's not really just going to happen overnight to catch up to the game speed, um, and that shows with yeah with the with the amount of starts that. This, this current Notre Dame has, this current Notre Dame offensive line has combined. Like, it, you know, it, it, there's a reason they're that good. It's because of the, all the experience they have. So, all right, brief, quick, quick preview of Syracuse. I'm not sure how much time we can dedicate to it. I don't know how much you guys know about them. I mean, like the only player I probably could have named on their entire roster coming in the year is Tommy DeVito, just because I think he played a little bit, got crushed in that 2018 game towards the end of the game when. Gosh, I'm still mad at Dino for ruining that shutout. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Kicking that field goal. Um, I mean, yeah, this is just the team. They're struggling. They're really young. I'm sure they'll play hard. I'm sure they they, they played Clemson close up to the third quarter. You know, they'll play hard if we don't, you know, show up. I could see it being close early. But ultimately, like, I think this team's too focused. My main thing for this game i'm not even going to touch the spread because i'm not I'll, I'll be happy with whatever win as long as we're healthy i just want to see ian book leave notre dame having never lost a home game as a starter and also you know send the seniors out on top i will touch the no spread injuries as well because i i i, think I already did touch the spread is barely a division one team um, they they would maybe succeed in the conference USA potentially. Um, they are so bad. They I mean they are they are really bad. 
and they, I thought they, they kind of, to you, steal an O'Brien term, they, they threw their punch at NC State. They, they, they tried to get the win there. They are going to have nothing left. From, they're they're going to have nothing left. <laughs> and their will be broken early. And there's, again, I say this a lot, but there's no area in the game where we are not dominant compared to them. Uh, I completely agree. I just, if, 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 let's do a quick segment. Say something nice about Syracuse. They play better. They play better against good teams than they do against bad teams. They tend to play up a little bit, not to the point where I'm going to be worried about the spread, but like I think they do tend to bring a bit of a better game. But with with what Sean said too was like they they may have thrown their best punch last week. They I cannot see them having a lot left in the tank after spiking the ball on fourth down with a chance to win the game. And the thing is, it wasn't like a. <laughs> Like team confusion, like I think the other ten Syracuse players knew that it was fourth down, <laughs> and Cold Pepper, the one guy who has to know that it is fourth down, didn't, and he spiked it. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, I will say this before we move on to picks and maybe a basketball touch. Um, Kelly did say that like. This defense, this defense is athletic, and and, and ha- they're just very, very, very young. Um, so you know they will improve, but I, I don't, I don't see it, man. Like I just the fight, the fighting Dino Babers, just I just don't think they have it. Yeah. I mean, say something nice about Syracuse. I am a fan of the orange and blue color scheme. I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> I. <laughs> I think okay. they have nice uniforms. I think I, their quarterbacks have fun names in DeVito and Rex Culpepper. Culpepper. All right, that, and that was saying something nice on Syracuse. All right, do you guys want to give a quick knee-jerk reaction to your to Saturday night? Notre Dame hoops played against, went traveled to East Lansing, it is and took on the Michigan State Spartans. The bro teams of old. We do not have. An aesthetic offense. We have no offense, and every bucket we score, if it's not a layup, seems like an absolute prayer. Yeah, I think you know with Bray. I think Bray has established enough credibility. That he knows about X's nose, but Notre Dame just doesn't have the Jimmys and Joes. There's, I don't know if there's just been misses in the recruiting class. Like everyone's like. Every person was at 2018 class now that's playing the, the big junior class. No, Everyone's no, just no, 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 okay. into anything special at all. Like, there was this whole thing going around Twitter about if Dane Goodwin played at Duke, he'd be the next Grayson Allen. First of all, Dane Goodwin's not a dick. And second of all, Duke, Duke wasn't anywhere near to offer that kid. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, that was uh, I was frustrating. Um, I, Juwan, Juwan, our big guys just aren't big and good enough. You can't like can't win in the ACC I think, with those guys. I think I think our I think our guards like with a better team around them, our guards can play well enough to win games. Like I think Hub could play well enough, and I think Cormac Ryan could play well enough. But I, I will say this: Hub has never met a shot he didn't like. Um, and Cormac Ryan is going to have to play 52 minutes a game out of a 40-minute game. 
Like he 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 can't come off the floor, and he'll have to play bring back Tom Tom Knight. So, uh, but if we want, to, yeah, th- th- that's exactly. Oh, it's the, what's the kid's name? The freshman. I can't think of it right now. Zona, but he yeah, looks Zona. exactly like. Yeah, Zona. Zona. Zona looks exactly yeah, like Tom. Knight. It's too, it's incredible. Um, we'll do. Yeah, it, yeah, I think so. Um, this is a. Uh, Demoralizing, but say something by some say something nice about Notre Dame basketball. They, um, Michigan State also did something similar to Duke on Tuesday, on Tuesday evening. So is Notre Dame comparable to the top of the ACC? Um, I'll let you guys decide. But uh, we'll say something nice. Um, I, honest, I I honestly don't know, just because there's like Western Michigan's off the schedule. I think say something nice. It'll be nice to watch, you know, Notre Dame for about five hours on Saturday because basketball is going to lead like right in football. If um, perfect, you mean the top of the ACC being Georgia Tech? Yeah, I think we're comparable. Um, say something nice about Notre Dame. <laughs> I think it'll be an easy cover for the over team most of the time, which. Um, is, is good for us, knowing that going in. Also, real quick before we move on, I watched BC play a lot of basketball just because they were they were they were playing Mohegan Sun and got and got a few games, and that was a team I was hoping that Notre Dame could kind of hang with. I I think I think they would get boat raced by this BC team. I, I think this BC nice, <laughs> BC is good, man. Like, and maybe that's more an indictment on BC than it is on Notre Dame, but. Man, if this is what the, if this is what the middle of the ACC yeah. is going to look like, we're in trouble. All right, let's get this impact. Let's get this impact. Well, yeah. on, on a higher note, um, that's it. I mean, that that's my that's my first game. The first game I picked the average. All right. Okay, let's uh brief recap of last week before we get to this week. Everybody, everybody did pretty well last week. Um, I think I was four and two. I think Ian, I was three and I, one. Ian, I think you were what. You were throwing a couple cancellations there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe all of our locks got canceled. No, no, no mine, mine played. Mine played. Oh no, no, D- no. all of ours every, every, week before. No, Ian, Ian's canceled. So Ian, Ian was, Ian was uh, one, two. Ian, you were. Th- oh boy, no way. You lost a few, Ian. Actually, no, you. Were, I'm sorry, you were, th- you were, uh, you were three and one. That was good because you lost, you lost the Michigan game. Um, and then D, you were D, you were you were four and two. You had a good you you had a good week. Wait, did Tulsa and Houston not play? That's that was four and one. Four and one. I'm sorry. Tulsa and Houston did not. Play. I was four and one as well. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I was. I counted. Yeah. Okay. Hand so out actually, we were both ever thinking that Michigan could could play well. <laughs> yeah. I, you're an absolute. I, you're an absolute moron for that. You zeroed the loss. Um, all right, let's get to this week's games. Interesting slate. Um, one thing I want to touch on before we get into the slate, we have Liberty and Coastal. We're going to pick that game. I don't know if I just – I sent you guys a tweet. I don't know if you guys saw oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a possibility that – so so this line shifted from 6.5 to 10.5 today, and I wasn't exactly sure why. Looks like Liberty is running into some COVID issues, and there is a possibility that this game turns into BYU at Coastal because Coastal has game day, and they don't necessarily want to lose it. 
So that would be really cool to get BYU and Coastal in the in the middle of, of the top twenty five. Get getting game in right now. Although I was excited to pick um, that game with Liberty. So my proposal here is that we pick Liberty Coastal right now, and then we can and then if if the game changes to BYU Coastal, we can change our picks, and I'll like just that. update the graphic for Friday. Okay, awesome. All right, so let's get into it. Syracuse goes to Notre Dame. Goes to Notre Dame. Back to the 2.30 kick, unfortunately. We we did we had escaped that for a few weeks, but we're back to a 2.30 kick. Um, senior day, Notre Dame favored by 33 and a half. Ian, I'm against on the Irish. Irish. Okay, perfect. That's a good answer. Yeah. D? I, I mean, I'll take the Irish. I think that I've won like four straight Notre Dame picks after starting off really cold on the Irish. So, sure. Keep it rolling. We'll say we'll say we'll say forty eight six final. Okay. Uh, Ian, you got you got something on the, on I'll the score? Go, I got to do the math here on what a, a cover would be. I'll go forty four ten. You got yeah. a cover. You got, you got a nice little cover there. Um, <laughs> uh, I got forty eight three. Good good luck good luck on good luck scoring on scoring on senior day against Clark Lee. Um, all right, so we all got the Irish. Although that's a big spread, hopefully we can cover that up, and we don't get we don't get a backdoor here with Brennan Clark in the game. Um, next game, interesting one here: Texas A and M uh, at Auburn. Auburn is six and a half point home dogs. Uh, who do you guys like? Auburn. I know Auburn's terrible, but like A and M looked horrible against LSU. If LSU had any type of offense, I think Auburn at least has somewhat of an offense. Although, didn't Auburn lose by, like, 50 to LSU? I don't, yeah, I don't know. What I don't even either. know what the hell's I, going on at I SEC anymore. But, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Auburn. I don't think A&M's good. Kellen Mond was, like, 30% passing. Kellen Mond did not play well this week. Kellen Mond did play terrible, um, but I still think A&M just has – they just got more to play. They got more to play for right now. They, uh, they're still in the hunt. Um, and I think Kalamon fixes some things. Because that Texas A&M defense, as bad as LSU's offense is, the A&M defense played pretty well, um, and Auburn is just not that good. So I'm going to go with A&M on the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take A&M as well, banking on the fact that Kalamon tries to suck a little less this week um, and that this defense plays as well as it did last week. I know LSU's offense is abysmal, and they were – they were moving back and forth between two young quarterbacks, but I I, I just think that Texas A&M, like you said, has something to play for. I like them in this game. Um, all right, another interesting one. I think this one's going to be a little bit of a harder pick than it may be made out to be, but Indiana at Wisconsin. Um, they go on the road up to Madison. Indiana loses Michael Penix this week to a season-ending ACL injury, which stinks because he was, he was a very good football player, but... Um, who do you guys got, Indiana at Wisconsin? I, I think Wisconsin's going to try to prove a point. I think that's one part of it. Two, I think Indiana, I don't, you know, their backup was a four-star, but I just don't know if he's going to have the ability to push the ball down the field to those receivers in the same way Penix did. So that's a huge loss for them. So I'm going to take Wisconsin. I think they come out mad. That, that's a killer loss for, Wisconsin, for Indiana. I'm with you. Um, 
and Wisconsin, hopefully they get their, some of their receivers back again and, and their offense gets gets rolling a little bit. Even though this Indiana defense is pretty good, um, I think I think Wisconsin runs away with it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't know why I just think that like I just think that there is not as big of a gap as there may have been made out to be between Penix and the backup. Um, like D said, the backup's a four star. He's competent, and they got some really good receivers. Who I, mean, I didn't think the Penix threw the ball exceptionally well against Ohio State. Like, I think his receivers made a lot of plays, so I'll bank on the fact that, they, that his receivers can continue to make a few plays. And I love Tom Allen as a coach. Um, to me, he's he's another guy like, why don't – give me a reason why you don't want to play for Tom Allen. Um, so I think he'll have his guys ready. It, it, it's uh, – I just see maybe a little bit of a letdown spot where I think that Wisconsin ends up leaving this game a little closer maybe than it should be, um, even if it's a 10-point game. Uh, I can see that happening. Uh, I still think Wisconsin wins the game, especially at home. But I can I can see Indiana making it a little tighter. I think I've talked myself into into Tom Allen and the Hoosiers. All right, next next game on the schedule. Uh, we'll go with this Liberty Coastal game. So the line is up to ten and a half now. Uh, if it gets played, uh, Liberty at Coastal. Uh, what do you guys think? So who, who's favored? Coastal. Uh, I'm sorry, Coastal is favored by ten and a half. Liberty yeah. has some COVID issues on on the road. All right. So if Liberty can't play. BYU plays. I'm taking BYU. I just don't give me that yet. Just pick this game straight yeah, up for now. Okay, you can change it later. Uh, ten and a half. That makes me think it's their quarterback for Liberty, and that guy's pretty damn good. If he's they don't a, have he's their a quarterback. Beat. He's a beast. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Coastal. Shots really haven't let, let you down, down all year. Roll Georgia State. No. But but I was on the shots, then, <laughs> and I'm gonna roll the shots again. Um, I think Liberty's a good team, but I'm with you, Dono. I think that that leads that leads me to think that it is their quarterback, and he's a key part of that offense. He's so dynamic. So, Slav, you mentioned this was game day. I think the Shants will be fired up. They kind of a hype locker room, so I hope that they keep that energy going. I'm taking the Shants minus seven and a half. I freaking hate watching games on this turf. It makes me think that there's something wrong with the TV. Like, like boys, like I know Boise State's blue, but this green, is, yeah, this blue green is just a funky blue green. Yeah. Um, so I had Liberty originally in this game. Um, I think that no COVID issues. I think that like Liberty had a chance to win this game um, just because of how dynamic their offense is. Um, you know, maybe they can maybe they put up a little bit more, a few more points than people think uh, in that game. But with COVID issues, especially if it's moved to four points, I I would agree with D that it's more, it's more likely than not the quarterback uh, who's a stud. So I flipped. I'm with Coastal as well. The three of us can lock that up together. We'll all be on the shots this weekend. All right. For the fifth game this week, change up. We'll go We'll go to the hardwood. Uh, we get the number one team in the nation facing the number two team in the nation. It's a neutral site game. Uh, Gonzaga versus Baylor. Uh, Baylor, I'm sorry, Gonzaga is favored by two and a half. Um, what do you guys think? What's intriguing is we just had the kid from Gonzaga just – Twist his ankle, and he seems I, to be I love Jalen Suggs, so. and I'm watching him warm up in the in the tunnel right now, um, trying to get that ankle going to come back in this game. They're down one to West Virginia right now, um, but if he plays, I'm all over the Zags. Um, but I'm even so, I'm not. I think that line will move, but I'll still take the Zags right now. I think they're a really well coached team. I think they're a really talented team. I think they're super deep, and I love the way they play basketball. So I'm taking the Zags. Yeah, I, th- I think if Suggs plays, I think he's like one of those freshmen that just plays beyond his years. Like 
he won state championships in high school and I believe basketball and football. Dude's just kind of one of those guys that's going to be a great college player. I don't know quite what his NBA ceiling is, but, uh, you know, Gonzaga, other than that, they have experience everywhere else. You know, they're always so good early in the year. Uh, but I'm going to take Baylor. We'll see how Baylor, we'll see how Baylor plays in an hour. Dude, you said you were going to take Baylor, right? Yeah. You got the Bears. Okay. Correct. Um, Scott so I'm on, I'm with Ian. I'm on the, um, I'm on the, I'm on the Zags. Um, I think if, if, if he's warming up now, I think there's a good chance to play on Saturday. Um, even if he doesn't come back out for this game. Um, so, and I, and like you guys, like you guys said, like to me, watching guns, Gonzaga, this in the games that they've played so far, um, I think they, this is like the most complete Gonzaga team I've seen. Like I, like, uh, th- they played very, very good basketball. They looked great against Kansas over the weekend, um, and and could certainly score the basketball. Um, so it's a, you know you could say it's an indictment on Kansas's defense, but to put up over a hundred in, in a forty-minute game. Um, that has to do something with the offense as well. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Zags in this game, uh, laying the two and a half. All right, locks. Anybody got one they like? Yes. American Conference overs. I see a pretty damn low number right now. The Memphis Tigers against the Tulane Green Wave. Uh, these teams can put up some points. That line is sitting at 63. Ooh. Uh, Memphis has played a couple games, I believe. That do you, do you know where? Do you know where that game is? Points. Is it at New Orleans? Um, got it. It is in New Orleans. Yeah. So sixty-three. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Memphis gonna hammer that over there. Down a little bit in the past in the past couple of weeks here. Let's see how many points did they put up last week? Ten. They beat. I guess it's Navy. It was ten-seven against Navy. That's a different story, but because uh, they had fifty-six against us in the fan before that. But uh, good pick. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Brady White fan. We're a Brady White podcast here. I, I don't know why I keep going back to this, this like kind of group of teams here, but. Oh, I'm gonna go back to the well. Just because you beat Michigan does not mean you are a good team at all. Uh, Oh no! Favorite against Rutgers, who kind of is a good team. I mean, they're all right. I guess it's just mindset here. But I'm going to take Rutgers to cover 11. I'm pretty sure it's in New Jersey. Ian, Ian, you're killing me because I am also on Greg Schiano and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at home laying 11. Um, I think that is ridiculous. Yes, they beat this this hapless Michigan team. They got lucky they beat Rutgers in overtime. I I don't see it, dude. I think 11 is a lot. yeah, I, I mean, I'm all over the Scarlet Knights. To me, this was a no-brainer that stuck out on the card. Um, glad, glad we're locked up on, on our lock of the week. That, that's good stuff. We're all over the Scarlet Knights this week. And I know I, I could count on a few other uh, new, new people from Jersey who will also be riding with us on that, so that's good stuff. We might might have a little surprise for the listeners right. next week on the buy, right? We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll Rumors are swirling. Oh, time. yeah. Spice things up a bit. Sure, hope so. <laughs> Try to guess our guest, and we'll give you we'll give it's you Donna some. Merch. We don't have much. <laughs> it's your Donna Georgia yeah, State we'll, shirt we'll, gets, we'll, gets mailed to you. 
for the holiday season. No, I'm, I'm not quick, giving that away. Jalen Suggs, check it back into this game. Give you one of my old hats. West Virginia. I'm I'm so confident in my That's in my Gonzaga pick for Saturday. All right, fellas, let's uh, let, let let's beat the Orange and, and let's go on, let's go into the ACC championship game undefeated with the regular season title and their belts.